Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about a popular TV series five episodes at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm cheating on my math test. Go watch some old cartoons, you young whippersnappers, you. I mean, I'm Alex. Oh, and uh, unlike Alex, apparently, I took notes this time. So I am a prepared <laughs> podcast boy. <laughs> Bold of you to assume that our average viewership is not, like, 45. Bold of you to assume they can see us. That, you know, <laughs> they they look at the... Google calls it views, okay? No, I that's, don't, yes, that's fair. That's fair. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> um, this week we are continuing with our Game of Thrones content uh, discourse. Praxis? What's Praxis? I don't know. I think it was um, a bad guy in Jack and Daxter. That's very possible. <laughs> um, we are talking about season three, the first five episodes of yeah. season three. So we've now gotten to uh, the big times. We've gotten to the the, the stuff that happens a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the episodes we'll be talking about today, oh, that is, uh, episode one is Valar Dohiris. To Hyrus? Yes, sure. Um, episode 2, Dark Wings, Dark Words. Uh, episode 3, Walk of Punishment. Episode 4, And Now His Watch Is Ended. And then Episode 5, Kissed by Fire. Those have a 8.8, 8.9, and 8.9 for the first three episodes. Uh, now His Watch Is Ended has a 9.6. Those, the, I should clarify, I'm talking about IMDb scores if you're just joining us. Um, because IMDb is perfectly reliable and not prone to any sort of fan, uh, you know, swing the votes or anything like that. Um, as shown by the fact that the episode that ends with uh, Daenerys' first big, uh, you know, punch-the-air moment uh, has a 9.6, which I <laughs> found to be a little surprising as I was reviewing this, but I'm sure it's totally valid. Um, and then Kiss by Fire has a 9. Um I don't know about you guys, but I have strong disagreements with a lot of those. I'm very surprised because those are generally in line with the base level averages for the first two seasons. Um, I found this to be quite a step up, but we'll, yeah. we'll get into it. Um, as far as our writers this week, the first episode and then the third and fourth episode were written by uh, the men themselves, D&D. The 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 big guys, the the head honchos. <laughs> the um, fifth episode is written by Brian Cogman, who has written a couple episodes, one one per season up to this point, and continues to do that for a while, maybe the entire time. I'm not sure, something like that. Um, and then we do get our our last episode, I believe, from Vanessa Taylor for mm. episode two. Um, the only kind of recurring female writer on the show, which is yeah. a shame. Uh, but yes, that yes. So this is the last time we will. Now her watch has ended. Oof. Um, the director plate we have up this week. This for for your your dining uh, entertainment. That for, <laughs> I, were, there was an analogy in there. Uh, we have the last two episodes from Daniel Minahan uh, to start off the season. Uh, the fourth and fifth episode are Alex Graves, who we will see quite a bit of moving forward. And then the third episode is a little David Benioff. He decided to flex those direction muscles. Mm -hmm. And did uh, he ever. 
so yeah, we've got an interesting collection here. Some returning members, some new members. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys wanted to talk at all about this before diving right into the discussion of best and worst episodes. But I, uh, I felt like this was a very strong set. I, I, like, I, ab- is... I absolutely did, yes, as well. This is really... I thought... Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I thought this was like a near-perfect set of episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because the last... I, I finished these episodes up like four days ago, <laughs> so my, my memory is especially fuzzy on which what happens in which episode. But I, I, I think this is a, a great set, and I don't... While I was watching it, at least, I don't remember having many problems. Well, and I think it says something that you finished them that early <laughs> this week. Yeah. Uh, that you wanted to power through all of them. Um, I'm going to claim best best and worst episode first, because... Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take last position again. Sure. I, yeah, just go. <laughs> it, is, it is mine by right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say my... <sighs> I know my best episode. I'm, I'm, my worst episode could probably be any of the other ones, and it would just kind of be a yeah, that one, sure. Um, I think I am going to go with episode. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a good answer to this. I should not have claimed this first. I don't know why I did. Um, I got a real Rinley over here. <laughs> I'm gonna go with episode four. No, oh, sure, yeah. Uh, For your worst, uh, it, yeah. I don't have okay. a particularly strong feeling for that. The Nanera stuff at the end is obviously great. Um, I just I felt like up to that point, it was a little bit. Uh, I don't. I don't even know. I really. I really cannot make a good argument for any of the other four episodes. Um, I think episode four. The I'll. I'll, I'll say it this way. I knowing what happens in the show, um, I was like in the in the set of episodes and in kind of the upcoming episodes. Uh, episode four, I was thinking was going to have more big moments than I than it actually did. Hmm. Um, so the it was literally just as I was watching through, I was like I was we got to the end of um, episode four and I realized that it was the end because I I knew that this one of the episodes ended with Daenerys taking the uh, Unsullied from right. Krasnus. And so I was kind of expecting that episode to ramp into some more stuff that had been seeding up through the uh, first few episodes, and it, that was really the only big thing. Uh, so I was just, just as like a expectation pacing thing, um, I was like, ah, I, I was sad that we didn't get the stuff that happened in episode five, which is my favorite episode of this set. Um Episode five starts off with the trial of the Hound and Beric Dondarrion. Yeah, great and very neat. Good character stuff. Cool magic stuff. Get some fire swords. Get some resurrections. Get a, a gory uh, chopping execution of Beric mm. uh, before he gets to come back. Um, we get a lot of fun area stuff in this one. Arya, I can pronounce. They do go to some nice areas though. Some, you know, some nice. There's some nice vistas. Um, we get to, i mean basically watching episode 5 i was just constantly like oh every every scene of this episode is is yeah. fantastic i mean the again the other four are also great i'm not i think we're all going to have trouble picking a worst episode this week but i mm-hmm. found that episode 5 really lays down 
a bunch of awesome stuff. Um, there's a lot of great political things. There's there's something that happens in this set of episodes that is really fascinating and fun to watch, where you basically have King's Landing get very, very crowded. Um, and so you've got Tywin, you've got Olenna, you've got Tyrion, you've got Cersei, you've got Littlefinger, you've got Varys, you've got Sansa, you've got Marjorie, you've got Joffrey, like the, all these characters that are like politically motivated and, and trying to get something out of working with the other characters they're all there and we get constant one-on-one conversations between them. So we're, we're just cycling between like, all right, now Tyrion's talking to Varys and now we've got Tyrion talking to Elena and now Elena's talking to Varys and now uh, Littlefinger's talking to Cersei about what Elena was talking about to Varys. And like, there's, yeah. there's all these great political connections uh, as we're just bouncing back and forth. And it's, it's really like some of the strongest uh, King's Landing intrigue stuff we get in the entire show. Um, and it's it's really fun to see all of them kind of playing off of each other and, and trying to vie for power. And I think uh, episode five really gets quite a few great things with that. Episode five also gets uh, Jamie's excellent monologue about yep. the Mad King, where we he's it's not the first time that he's said like, oh, did you know the Mad King was bad? Um, yeah. But it is, nor is it the first time any other character in the show has believed that. But it's the first time he really lays out, like, no, this is the thought process I went through. It was pretty messed up. Yeah. And now I'm, uh, you know, an exile, basically. Like, people hate me. Uh, exile is probably not the right word, but... Uh, uh, um, pariah. Pariah. Okay. Yes, there we yeah. go. Uh, not to be confused with Peria. Um, <laughs> <if we're... laughs> that was good. But, uh, no, he... Um... <laughs> uh yeah, he basically gives the, the whole monologue, and there's some really great stuff with Brienne about that. There's an excellent, excellent uh, confrontation with Roos in this episode where Roos, like, draws out the fact that Cersei's perfectly fine and Jamie's yeah. like, on pins and needles because he's like, how, how do I tell you this? Uh, your sister, I just... Yeah, well, she's fine. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Um, we get Rob kind of... Uh, all the stuff with the car Starks and also him with this kind of triumphant realization that he can try to take Casterly Rock, maybe? Mm, I don't know about that. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure nothing I'm will sure go wrong. Nothing will go wrong. We get Shireen, finally uh, get to, to talk with her, hang out with her. Very, very sweet girl. Yeah. And her Davos interactions are all wonderful. Um, Grey Worm also pops up in this yeah. episode. There's just a ton of... And I mean, the, again... All of these episodes have a ton of great build-up and world-building and, and character meat to get into. Yeah. Um, but I think episode five is like, we've, we're just continuing to build and we're putting in so many pieces into this puzzle uh, that will continue to pay off for seasons and seasons to come. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Five, five is really uh, terrific. And that monologue that, that Jamie has, the first time I went through... The, the well what i saw of the show when i when I, the first time i saw this is when i went oh nikolai kosterwaldau is really good in the show mm-hmm. like that was the thing that really brought it home for me and there's such a beautiful moment at the end of that where he like faints and brian or starts to faint and brian grabs him and she's yelling for help and she's like the kingslayer the kingslayer and he says my name is jamie like right before he he passes out which is just so heartrending um yeah i have a couple of notes here in, in the fifth one you mentioned uh uh, Olena, who's just the the best. She's the best. <laughs> like Diana Rigg. I first saw Diana Rigg in The Great Muppet Caper um, <laughs> as Lady Holiday, and she's great in that, and she's just amazing on this show. And they kept pairing her 
with these really standout actors. Like she gets a one-on-one with Lena Headey, a one-on-one with Peter Dinklage, a one-on-one with Conleth Hill. Like they keep setting mm-hmm. her against these powerhouses, and it's so much fun every time. Um, there's that great moment where Gendry's like, I'm going to stay with the Brotherhood, and I've never had a family, and Arya's like, I could be your yep. family. And he says, you wouldn't be my family, you'd be my lady, which is sweet and also pointed. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I wrote here, Baby Jars, it's a cult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then right after that, Sick Singing Kid, it's a cult. Um <laughs> Because, yeah, Shireen, Stannis' daughter, uh, with the grayscale uh, disease, she's, like, trying to teach Davos how to read. Like, all of that's wonderful. But she, you do get the creepy little kid singing, <laughs> which is yep. quite a situation. Um, as I wrote, Davos Seaworth, a friend to children. Uh, <laughs> what I, what I, something that I was reading about um, is that so, so in this, when Rob... I really loved watching Rob's um, leadership crack in mm-hmm. this set of episodes where you see he's making decisions that lead to a big thing in the next batch of episodes. He's making those decisions much earlier than I originally yep. realized. Like, yes, it starts with him breaking the marriage uh, or the arrangement to marry to Lisa. But in this, when he's like, no, I'm going to execute the car starts. Well, that makes everybody go, well, Rob, I don't know if that was such a like that was his first big blunder. Yep. And then he, so the car starts leave, and he goes, "Oh, I need more men. I'll go to the Freys. They're really helpful all the time." <laughs> and it's just, um, it's really interesting to see how many different ways the eventual thing is being set up. And also, when he executes uh, Rickard Carstark, it's shot like when Ned executed the Night's Watchman at the beginning of the show, because <clears throat> like it's a clean mm-hmm. a clean stroke. But apparently the music they're using is from when Theon executed Roderick because mm-hmm. they wanted to show that Rob has grown and that he can do this confidently and competently like Ned, but that this was a bad decision that yeah. ultimately it, hurts him. It's it's very Ned because uh, we talked about Ned in season one, how he's kind of getting this advice from other people who are like, hey, here's a million other things you could be doing than the yeah. choices you're currently making. Yeah. And he turns them all down. And it's the same thing here where you get like a quick... I mean, it's obviously compacted, but it's you get Talisa and you get Edmure and you get Catelyn all being like, hey, what about not doing yeah. that? You could do other things that would still be effective, but don't do that. Yeah. Uh, and, and then he does that. <laughs> yeah, it's all really, uh, really smartly done. Um, my, let's see, I guess I'm going to, similarly, I just, picking a worse thing is, is really difficult. I guess I'll go with the first episode just because I think that had... The f- fewest cool things to me, even though I liked everything in it, <laughs> you know? I think I'm going to... I was looking over my notes as you were talking. I think I'm going to retroactively this, say, actually, my worst one is the first one, because I, yeah. I do see now that I think it's a little bit weaker. I mean, my first note here is opening Quote theme. Honk, shoe, seen it. Uh, we all know. Um, Rattleshirt. Uh, the wildling, he looks kind of silly. Let's all just talk about it. <laughs> he looks kind of silly. Like, he's just got a bunch of, like, he's cool looking, but there's a certain angle of him where he looks kind of silly. But this, that said, this is the episode where you get Mance Raider, Kieran Hines, the great Kieran mm-hmm. Hines, from so many great and terrible movies. 
He is Steppenwolf. He is Steppenwolf. <laughs> Hurrah! He, he was Monsieur either Andre or Fermat from Phantom of the Opera. Um, and he's also like Liam Neeson's best friend. They, they go back decades, hmm. apparently. Uh, he's a marvelous actor, and he's great on this show. They have a joke about Tyrion not getting his nose cut off. Yep. Uh, which I thought was kind of kind of fun. Um, see if there's anything else in this that like really. Oh, this is when we meet Kyburn, um, who you know is a jerk because he's played by Anton Lesser, who has played jerks in other things like The Crown and Wolf Hall. <laughs> It is really like it's it's bizarre to see him and be like, oh right, the the Starks saved him, and like he like yeah, yeah. that's it's it's it's, a... it's an interesting bit of and how they keep play where they place Roose Bolton is interesting in this where they're mm-hmm. like, no, he's totally on the side of the North, but <laughs> he's not so nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I it's still really good stuff. I actually really liked in that episode. The scene where Marjorie um, in Flea Bottom goes to the orphanage, and that that was re- really stood out to me. I, I really liked Marjorie in these five episodes. Like Natalie Dormer, I thought really brought it um, mm-hmm. because I was noticing how she's so she's always politicking uh, in a really yep. neat way. Like she's the only one who can like get under Joffrey's skin and shake him. And that, like, she's totally ingratiating herself with him, but also, like, twisting him to do what she wants. Which is, it's really fascinating, because it's, like, on the one hand, it's like, oh, wow, that's really, like, obvious and manipulative. But on the other hand, she's only do- trying to get him to be better <laughs> at yeah, things. Right. Like, she's she's a good influence on him. And the interesting, and like, so, so one of the things I wrote was that when, when she goes to the thing with the orphanage and she's talking to the, the Septa there and she's like, if you ever need help feeding them or anything come to me and there's a pause and she says come directly to me and i wondered because obviously all of that was a political thing and it was but i I was like are you being like a false princess diana here or are you a real diana like because there was when she says directly to me that makes it sound like she goes i know that none of the other people in king's landing are going to help you but i want to help you so i'm all this politicking that i'm doing to get power is because I actually do want to do some good with it. Um, and I don't know, I just found all that really interesting and really good. Uh, but for my actual best episode, I am going to go with Season 3, Episode 2, Dark Wings, Dark mm. Words. Um, I think that was just like when it all really kicked up to me. I really loved the way Vanessa Taylor wrote it. Um, I have really enjoyed her episodes, and it's a shame that she's leaving when she is. Um but I mean that I, I think that moment just had that episode just had a lot of really good stuff. I really liked. We meet the the Brotherhood without banners. We got Thoros of Mir, and we got Angai. Thoros is mentioned in episode five when uh, Barristan and Jorah, because Barristan's back. Barristan's back. That's mm-hmm. great. He kills a cool bug. Um, <laughs> that but scorpion they're... girl was a weird. It's so weird. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just like wait, what? Hang on. Is that like? Pies pre? Who is that? I think um, there's a lot of like examples like that of magic that the sh- the show just does not know how to integrate into the rest of the world, like that and the yeah. shadow demon that kills Rinley, and like there's just a lot of like, oh, that's that sticks out a bit. The magic is interesting in this show where it does exist, but also maybe it doesn't. <laughs> like, 
Because all the stuff with R'hllor, the Lord of Light, with Stannis is like, no, this isn't really going the way everyone says it's supposed to. What's mm-hmm. going on with that? But then Thoros can resurrect Beric like yeah. six times. Um, <laughs> so that's I don't know what the rules are. Um, but this I think one of the reasons this became my favorite is one you've got we got a bunch of new characters showing up. We got Orel. We've got Jojen and Mira. My man Jojen Reed. Uh, Thomas Brody Sangster, played by Ferb from Phineas and Ferb. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of old cartoons. And, uh, uh, yeah, I really liked how Gendry has this comment when he's talking to Arya and Hot Pie about, like, so why did you have Jockin kill those people? <laughs> why didn't you have him kill the mountain? Because <laughs> I was like, oh, he's the audience surrogate. I love that. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, um... I really. Uh, this is when we introduced Olena, and that scene with her and Marjorie and Sansa is amazing. Like that's such a great mm-hmm. scene of Sansa finally getting to just break down and come clean about how awful Joffrey is. And it was this moment of like women finding safety in other women. Like these five episodes really, I think, delivered on the theme of strong women, and the women are actually the competent ones in this world. Uh, that like. All these speeches Olena gives about, like, my son's an idiot. Robert was an idiot. Like, we should be in charge. Yeah. And there's the all men must die, but we are not men moment, which is great. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I thought all five of these were really good. Like, mm-hmm. you, you you can tell by my worst episode comment that I immediately started talking about something I loved. Like, this is not, <laughs> it just never really gets think, bad for me. Uh, a point going off of that, talking about uh, Marjorie and whether or not she's genuine I think it's mm-hmm. really interesting the scenes that she has with Sansa, where it seems like, I mean, she wants some, she wants Sansa to be like on their side because Sansa is the heir to the North, but like, or theoretically should be the heir yeah. to the North because the she doesn't think Rob has a chance, I guess. Um, but, I mean, basically, she knows she's a a a, piece, a important piece on the the board. Yeah. Um, but also, it seems like she does genuinely want to like help her and knows that like the things I want for you are also in your best interest. Yeah. So let's be friends. When um, there's that moment really, yeah, where she's it, it's like, played very well. When she's doing that scene about like, and you can marry Loras and then you'll have to go to high garden. Like I got so sad during that scene. I Cause I was like, I just want Sansa to be happy. I want to start up a hashtag that just hashtag be nice to Sansa. <laughs> God. <laughs> Alex, what you got? Um, I've got my best episode, at least. Um, It'll be episode five, Kissed by Fire, um, solely because of the Jamie-Brienne scene. Um, I think that is, if not the best episode or best scene ever on the show, it's Hmm. one of them. (laughs) Um, I think it just in terms of pure acting and just... (laughs) <laughs> emoting through dialogue. I yeah. thought it was all superb. Um, so, I mean, th- there's other cool things. Like, like th- th- these five episodes, just so many cool moments just sprinkled yeah. throughout. Um, but, like, there's also um, Olena finally meets Tyrion, and they're discussing how they're going to pay for the royal wedding. And she's like, oh, I've heard so much about you, you know? Y- you can imagine my disappointment when I discovered just a battered bookkeeper. It's like, oh... <laughs> He saved everyone, though. And yeah. Tyrion is, like, <laughs> trying to approach that as a very, oh, I'm, you know, 
I have utmost respect for you, uh, Lady Olena, and then she's yeah. just completely tearing down like every attempt he has to be like, well, we, you know, we we do need to save some money. And she's like, nah, yeah, right. we don't. And he's like, <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. Um, yeah, not, not a whole lot more to say about that. And then there's the scene where um, Ygritte has John break yeah. his vows and they sleep together and that's a very... It's a, it's a fairly romantic it's, scene, given uh-huh. all of the other um, sexual encounters we've had in this yeah. show. That's exactly what I was thinking watching this. Like, oh, that's one of the, like, sweetest, like, sex scenes in, entire, <laughs> like, in terms of characters, actually, like, having actual emotion in this and, and not being for various motivations and or because prostitution. So, you know? Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, not a whole lot more to say. I thought that was just, and maybe, once again, maybe it's the recency effect. It's just the last episode I watched, so that's the one. But, uh, yeah, episode five is my, my best. Um, honestly, I'm I'm considering just kind of withholding a worst, because the other ones are just very, very consistent. Mm. Um, I guess I'll go with episode three, okay. Walk of Punishment, just because, and this isn't because Benioff directed it. That's not the reason why. <laughs> Um, I'm just looking through the plot points that happen, and it feels the most kind of normal. Like, it doesn't feel... I don't know. It has the least things happening. Yeah, I guess. Um, And even still, there's there's some really, really nice moments. Like, obviously, it ends with the shocker of Jamie getting his hand cut off, and that's, like, a really, really neat scene. Oh, that ending is metal. Um, (laughs) Like... There's no dra- there's no like drawn out tension. They just hack his hand off. He starts screaming, and then like a punk cover of Bear and the Maiden Fair plays over the credit, <laughs> which is superb. Oh, it's so I love great! How all of that is edited. Yeah, yes. and after it's this so this great sequence where Jamie is uh, thinks that he's kind of weaseling his way into the good graces of a, uh, uh, I cannot remember his name. I always refer Lock. to him as Tech Support because it's the actor from Vanilla Sky. Um, who plays tech yeah. support. But, uh, He's also Charlie Bucket's dad. Uh, his name's Locke yes. in the show. Noah Taylor. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, there's that whole build-up where Jamie's like, ah, you know, I've kind of... We, we're we're, uh, we're, at, we're mutual uh, friends here, or acquaintances here, you and I. We can, we can work something out. And then he's like, I hate you. <laughs> I'm cutting your <laughs> hand off. Yeah, there's that, and then there's also um, the the lovely scene. Um, is is this the episode where they leave Hot Pie yes, at the end? That's a really good scene. And Hot Pie makes makes her the little mm-hmm. little uh, bread direwolf. Yeah, um, he also yeah, it's, it's really cute. he also has the joke where uh, he says, "Oh, you're uh, or I I forget what the context is, but somehow he he." says oh you know i'd never be uh comfortable in winter hell or something like that yeah and uh, oh, yeah. aria's like it's winterfell and he's like are you sure <laughs> <laughs> and like as aria's writing off she goes hot pie it's really good yeah. <laughs> like yeah, that whole scene sure. was just way sweeter than i, I would have expected mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I said that was my worst <laughs> thing and then i listed off two best yeah, things exactly. or two yeah. wonderful things in the episode um but yeah a lot of it's just kind of this is the episode where just small things happen. It's not not filled to the brim with big moments, yeah. um, which is fine. That's just that's part of television. That's yeah. <laughs> just natural. Um, but yeah, 
that's my worst, I guess, kind of huge grain of salt with that. <laughs> well, in this episode, um, also uh, did feature what I called Game of Chairs and Faces, which is in the small council meeting when they come in and they're all trying to figure out where to sit. And then Littlefinger's immediately sitting like right next to Tywin. Right. And Varys, and there's so many great like Cersei dragging the like dragging the chair around to his other side, yeah. and then Tyrion drags the chair to the head of the uh, other head of the table, and just Conleth Hill making the best faces. Like all of that is so much fun. <laughs> he does have the best faces. God, he's so there's good. A, that, that episode also has the introduction of the Blackfish and Edmure. Well, I was just and it's about to this, say. Com- there's not a word spoken. You get everything you need to know well, yep. about both of these characters. All right, fine. <laughs> I'll say episode one then. <laughs> yeah. No, no. A group group thing. But is this it's like, always a good thing. I, it's I did like have a darkly comic opening where it's like this somber moment and Edmure just keeps missing the boat with this fire arrow. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, I, I did have one thing, one actual negative thing to say about episode one, which is why I changed my mind. Um, also, I realized episode four is also where we get the mutiny at Craster's Keep. So, like, that's a yeah. that's a big thing that is important and well done. Um, but episode one, there were a couple of moments that I, I found a little bit comical out of just, and and maybe it was just a weird. I had a weird mindset when I was watching the episode. Um, there's one bit where uh, we when we first see Daenerys and Jorah, they're on a ship and they've they've gotten a ship and they're heading to Marine, not Marine. Marines later. Uh, Astapor. There's another. There's a reason I have Marine on my mind, and I'll get back to that. Is it Astapor? It is Astapor. Um, but anyway, they're they're heading, and uh, Jora is arguing with her over something, and Daenerys says it is too beautiful a day to argue, and she looks mad, and then like there's this immediate vomit sound in the background as someone throws up because <laughs> like they're seasick, and like the the timing of that, I just it made me chuckle because like <laughs> it, it felt like we needed to pause there. Um, the there's a bit where when they're carrying Davos off uh, after Davos is like, you need to stay away from that woman. And Stannis is like, no, uh, they're <laughs> carrying him off. And then uh, Melisandre says, I'll pray for you. <laughs> like, as he's That's pretty good. Um, and there's also should have said, sh- should have said uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> Basically. Traitor. Um, and there's also a, a thing where Daenerys is after she's, talked to Krasnys about the Unsullied and how the Unsullied are trained and everything. Uh, we cut back to her as she's like walking through the city. And the first thing we hear is a, a voiceover of 8,000 dead babies. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's just very jarring. Um, those are like, none of these are like that are, are really a problem at all. It's no, just like, no. there were a couple of things that, that took me out of the episode like that. Um, also the Scorpion girl is weird. Um, as I said, such a weird moment, but, uh, that's, I mean, that, that is the most I can conjure up against these episodes in terms of things that I did not like. So So I I did have a question about, so in episode three, we are, is when the Craster's Keep mutiny, the the first seeds are laid because of a character called Carl Tannen, Mm -hmm. who just is suddenly like, we are not feeding us. Why aren't you feeding us? And that he's played by a guy named Bern Gorman, who we've all seen and stuff. He was on Man of the High Castle. He's in Pacific Rim. He's all over the place. He's in Dark Knight Rises. He's in Dark Knight they Rises. They force him to walk on the ice, and he and he dies. He falls through. Spoilers so, for the 2012 movie Dark Knight Rises. My question is, when did he get here? Because suddenly, 
because he ends up he and Rast end up being the inciting members of the mutant. Yeah, and and Rast, who I wrote, is basically the kid from Insidious. Um, I'm pretty sure that Rast is like haunted because everything he's, <laughs> he's his head is always tilted down, and he's looking up through his eyes, and he's like, "This isn't right." Uh. And then speak in parcel tongue or whatever, and I I I don't understand like Burn Gorman just appeared <laughs> suddenly, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have really bothered me except that he's a very recognizable actor to me, and so I was like, wh- why did it's it's I, not that we need to know every member of the team. It's just you could have just picked one of the random nights people, I watch people who'd been there. Yeah, but then suddenly um, Burn Gorman's just on the set. I, Alex, you're going to have to help us out here, and if you don't know it, then uh, the the answers are lost to time. Um, but I feel like maybe the idea is that there were more, because like they meet up with Corin Half <coughs> Corin Halfhand at the Fist of the um, First Men. Yeah. Um, and I fe- so I feel like the idea is that there were already guys stationed there. I'm not remembering exactly if that was mm. the case, but I believe there were already some Night's Watch guys who were hanging around. Um, so I think that's the idea is maybe he just kind of popped up from the remnants of that. Like when they all sure. ran from the white walkers, he was, he was in the camp and, and now he's here because that is his first episode. He is not. <laughs> yeah. Well, not and again, it, it, all, it's but. not a huge deal. And like, it, it's a huge group of people wearing all these layers and we only ever really talked to five or six of them. And so it's like, that's fine. Yeah. Um, and I had the same reaction as well. And obviously it's not like a, a huge no, no. But, but also, like, did I miss very recognizable <laughs> actor Burn Gorman? But I that that also. I mean, le- to be fair, going back to season two, Ed just shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, Does Edison. He? Yeah, is just suddenly on the on the show. There, um, there is a a dose of I, 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 episode four is really good, but like that mutiny made me real sad. Because I love Jor Mormont so much. I love James Cosmo. And I really wanted him to successfully choke Rast, but alas, twas not to be. And then I was just like, all of that... And it's a really great sequence. And um, I don't know what happens going forth with the North people, so don't tell me. But I... I just really wanted Gren to save everybody. So just in that moment, I was like, all right, Gren's my new guy. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm immediately like, well, Raft has sucked this whole time, but like, all right, Grin, you're my hero. This is like that one episode where Hilo became my favorite character in Battlestar Galactica. And I was like, you're the guy. You got to save everyone, Hilo. Um, Rast is a really fascinating character because he's been here mm, from the beginning. Yeah, he's um, been around. And he's just been chilling. And it's like, and I don't think. Uh, and chilling like a villain, literally. Indeed. Um, I don't think, like, way back when, when, when Tyrion is explaining, like, uh, Pip was uh, stealing bread, and Grin was, uh, you know, uh, basically, like, saying that they had nothing against them. I, I want to say yeah. maybe Rast did not have a justification for the fact I that... I think Rast, like, was there, like a, a criminal guy. criminal, yeah. Or was there? Rast is actually traveling with Jon and Tyrion to the Wall. Yeah. Oh, there's a scene in the woods when they're on their way, when they're kind of sitting mm-hmm. and camping, right. and there's a conversation, and, and I think he mentioned something about Rast, who's just kind of sitting off by himself. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, but I we don't know I, what he did to get there. 
I, it may have been rape or something. That's I, I, also I, I have thinking. a feeling that they did say what he okay. did. Because I think the idea is that that mutiny happens where, like, basically all the people who are on the Night's Watch because they were violent, bad people mutinied. And so yeah. the people who, like, Gren and Sam and I think Ed were all like, well, no, we're nice people. <laughs> like, yeah. it just became this kind of binary right. thing. Um, also, Rast is very mean to Sam about his weight, and they're not mm-hmm. that far apart. <laughs> like... And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making fun of rap. I'm not body shaming anybody. It's just like, come on. That'd be like Charles Dance being like, "Oh, what's up, Stretch?" Like making fun of a tall guy. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, let me see if I what else I had. Uh, I'm sure we can we can go other directions. We can kind of open uh, it up. We 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 get Varus's backstory and mm-hmm. uh, dark revenge plot, which was really good. Do we, actually, hmm? I uh, don't remember if we ever actually figure out what he does with the uh, sorcerer. I think he's just like I have you in a box now. <laughs> yep. Like, I think he uh, yeah. We, we don't really need Daxosism, Yeah. Um, Blackfish is awesome. I love Blackfish. Mm-hmm. Speaking of very tall people, he's he's so great. <laughs> so I we were talking uh, I think before we started recording, or maybe on the recording, who knows? Where Time this ep- this batch of episodes really just starts leaning into, hey, we're just gonna we're just telling you stuff that happened. We're just throwing a ton of names and new people and new places at you, and we're just going for it. And I was able to keep track of it because I'm a esteemed viewer. But also, mm-hmm. because, like, I've read the books, and so, like, I have some... But, like, Alex, the first time you watched this season, do you remember, like, were all of the new faces and the new names and all the... Like, I feel especially, like, the Brotherhood Without Banners, and w- was it hard for you to follow it all, not having any touchstone, any, like, familiarity? Um, a little bit. In some cases, I was able to use, like touchstones from like other media that i've seen like brotherhood without banners i was very much like oh this is like the robin hood yeah Yeah. i got it i i get the vibe um but then other stuff i think a lot of it was just when characters would disappear for a long time and then come back (laughs) so like loris and marjorie disappearing for most of season two and then they're back and they're major players in this it's like wait 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 who, who oh hold on who are they again? What is their family? What's what's the context here? Yeah. So it was – oftentimes it wasn't so much the new stuff. It was the old stuff that had kind of fallen to the wayside for the moment okay. and then come back. Sure. Because I think, I think it hit me for when Beric shows up and the Hound is like, Beric Dondarian. And I was like – I No, I no, no that's, that's a perfect example. Yeah. Beric showing up and I'm like, who – wait. <laughs> Especially because it was and recast. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is a recast, but but they do also mention, oh, Ned Stark was the one who sent him after the mountain. I'm like, I feel like that happened in the first seat. <laughs> Did it? <laughs> Are you making this up? <laughs> yeah. When they make a few allusions to, like, the battle at Mummer's Ford, which is, like, a whole thing in the books, and they don't dig too much into it, and... um. Yeah, I, and a lot of the stuff with Thoros, like that he's mentioned by Barristan and Jorah when they're swapping war stories in episode five, they mentioned Thoros of Mir, yep. and that Mir is where Varys got cut. I was just putting all that together this time around. Mm-hmm. 
Because most of my time watching Thoros is going, are we sure that's not William Hurt? Because he looks exactly like <laughs> William Hurt. That's a good point. It's 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 frightening how, how much they look alike. But he does have a lot more charisma than William Hurt. He sure does, and isn't somebody that makes me angry. Um, <laughs> to do. Um, so this, wait, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I do want to talk a bit about how Richard Madden is just very, very good in these he's episodes. So we talked about how he's kind of cracking under the pressure. Um, yeah, his character is, but like he's doing, he's portraying it brilliantly. Um, yeah. there's a line when, uh, he sees the, or basically he's talking to the car Starks for the first time or not for the first time. Well, yeah, for the first time after they've killed, uh, the Lannister boys, uh, mm-hmm. including, um, not Tommen. Yeah. <laughs> and, Future Tommen. <laughs> oh, and that, that just irks me the wrong Probably way. <laughs> the most confusing recast in the show. <laughs> I'm back <laughs> as a new Tommen. Yeah. um but uh he says basically he's he's like hang the rest of of his conspirators and put Karstark in the dungeon and one of the guys is like i was just watching the guards don't you know don't kill me whatever it's uh, they they made me do it and he's like this one was just a watcher hang him last so he can watch the others die (laughs) it's it's delivered like very oh it's good it's just it was good but that I don't know that that felt very Lannister esque yeah, to me. <laughs> well, it's, it's no. I think it's again we talked about the fact that with Ned he one of the things that he was like I will not abide this is uh, harming children and yeah. th- that right. was a constant trait and so it's like Rob has picked up just enough of Ned's traits to be a danger to himself. Right. Um, <laughs> in terms of yeah, it, it is it is interesting how how you know with Ned it was he was stuck in this this you know, pardon my pun, medieval mm-hmm. kind of sensibility and, and, and morality where it's like, if you're being a realist, you can, you don't have to do, you don't have to take the steps you're taking, but because you're held in, into this, this, this line of kingship or, or what have you, mm-hmm. y- you have to go to Stannis. And that's the same thing with Rob where it's like, you don't have to kill the guy. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you don't. I mean, you have the power, yeah. like, but he's just like, nope, that's, that's the ancient way. You betray me, I cut off your head, and it's like, well... Yeah. Okay, Tev, you... There's a middle ground here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do, I, I really appreciate that level of complexity in the show, where it's, yes, we do have overall good characters. Yeah. Like, like, these are, these are good men, mm. I would say. Yeah, definitely. But because they're stuck in this old-fashioned way of thinking, and they're they're so used to this structure and these rules, they can't kind of break free of that programming, and it ultimately does them in. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> what? It would, it would have been great if when the Landis, when the Karstarks went into the the cell, if Future Tommen had gone, "If you strike me down, I shall only become more Tommen than you can ever imagine." <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, we talked about mentioning the Lannisters. Um, one of my notes here is that Tywin is no Dom Toretto because he he doesn't <laughs> care. He cares about family, but really he cares about legacy because mm-hmm. yeah. he doesn't really value his family. Like, I really like that this batch of episodes ends with him sentencing his children to these marriages. Where he's like, where Cersei's like, you can't just sell me off again. He's like, no, I, I'm going to because I'm Charles Dance. Which, which is also fantastic because Cersei sends, spends five episodes trying to be like, 
I see Mar- Mar- the Tyrells, they're trying to steal yeah. away Sansa and, and, and take Joffrey away from me. We have to stop them. And she's, like, trying to work with Littlefinger and seeing who she can manipulate into, into stopping this. And she finally um, brings it to Tywin. And then Tywin's like, all right, great. Yeah, you'll, you'll marry Loras so that we can, you know. <laughs> and she's like, wait, no, no, no. <laughs> That's not... <laughs> Yeah, and I and I had completely forgotten about the Tyrion Sansa story. I completely <laughs> forgotten that that ever happened. Um, but yeah, all of that. Like, I really like that scene. And 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 Cersei's a character who, overall, is pretty despicable. But you do feel for her in these moments where, like, she is the most competent of in in terms of what Tywin wants from his children. She is the most of that. She does that the best. Tyrion does too, but yeah. he uses it for other purposes. Mm-hmm. And that she's like, I am really your heir. Like, all the things you try to teach us, I'm the one that listened to them and that I really absorbed it. And you won't pay attention to me. He's like, yeah, because you're dumb. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> he's just so brusque with everybody. It's, it's, he's, Charles Dance is amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's nice that the show can still find some room to be like, Cersei is human. She's a bad human, but she is human. Right. Just jumping back to to episode one, because I want to say more nice things about an episode (laughs) that I said was the worst. Um, I I love the setup that Tyrion is stuck in this, you know, cupboard or or whatever, but he hasn't talked to Tywin at all. And so he finally goes to to see him to uh, request that he... um, reside over Casterly Rock and Tywin's just like, no. Yeah. No. That's yeah. embarrassing. Don't ever ask me that again. That that scene is is so well handled. Pretty much any time that Peter Dinklage and Charles Dance are interacting, it's mm-hmm. gold. Mm-hmm. Pure gold. Absolutely. The, um, Lannister gold. That um I, I'm changing it again. I'm rescinding it. I don't have a worst episode <laughs> this time. <laughs> I've changed my mind too many times. <laughs> It's a four-way tie for worst episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we also get... Uh, I don't think we see much of him in these episodes. It's it's kind of just a handful of scenes, but we do get Tormund. Yeah. Tormund is here. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and John mistakes him for... Both mistakes him for Mance Raider and also thinks Mance Raider would need to be kneeled to. Um, yeah. Which is a very fun scene. Uh, and, and subverting those expectations... Uh, <laughs> as they say, which is kind of fun. I have nothing else to add that add to that, but I like <laughs> Torment as most people. No, I like Torment too, and uh, it, it is funny how many of these like massive characters show up just within these handful of episodes. Missandei yeah. and Grey Worm and Torment, and like it's it's really interesting. Um, so something that I noticed we, we've talked before about the unintentional racial issues the show has. And for me, that really became clear in these episodes. Um, And again, it all goes back to Martin. And there's a lot of, I don't think any of this is malicious. I think it's just thoughtless. But I realized watching this, I was like, so this is essentially the story of the fair-haired white liberator freeing a bunch of black people from an Arab. It's like essentially what happens. (laughs) And... That he's like the greedy Arab and she's going to save these poor black people. The men of whom have been neutered, so they're not sexually intimidating. But their their bodies are still tools she can use. And the woman is 
very intelligent and very bright, but she's also very obedient and demure. Right. And obviously we have many seasons coming with Miss Ande and Grey Worm. And I'm, I, I just, I didn't watch far enough to get enough of them. So I'm really looking forward to seeing more of those characters and more of those performances. Mm-hmm. But like just in these five episodes, I went, okay, I see this like inherently problematic thing. And obviously the, the thought process of this is Daenerys sees wrong being done and tries to save people who are enslaved. And she frees them because that's wrong. And she then tells them, like, you don't have to stay if you don't want to. You're free. Yeah. You get to choose your own names. Like, all of that is good. It's all positive. But it's also kind of rooted in – and I'm not going to – it's a whole spiel about, like, sure. <laughs> American entertainment and the way stories yeah. are told and characters are lined up. But, like, that was something I really noticed in, in these episodes. And it's also worth noting that – the characters of color who we like are lighter skinned, whereas Zarozo and Daxos and Salador San, who is not a bad character, but is clearly right. a more lascivious character, they're both darker skinned, so that's something. And they're both from the Summer Isles, which again, that's a that's a Martin idea. Um, but all of that was something that I just really couldn't yeah couldn't really shake. Uh, so now saying all of that. The comp, the other part of the compliment sandwich, I get whatever, is the the scene where she has her dragons burn Krasnus is amazing. <laughs> like sure. that's such a great moment. There is just there, from like a filmmaking perspective or TV I, making perspective. So first, I had forgotten that Daenerys is literally like, no, kill everyone who has any part in this. Yeah, um, and and they basically sack a city i mean it's the, mm-hmm. the, it's the, yeah, the, there's more than just precedence i'll say that much um yeah also there is a specific shot of daenerys standing looking menacingly down as uh a drogon flies by and just burns this wall of fire that rises up behind her and it's like yeah you know some of this imagery <laughs> i think it's trying mm-hmm. to tell me something um, well, yeah, because it's again, it's that like, oh, Daenerys, we agree with you that these are terrible people, but then you realize like, oh, you went from zero to twenty, like <laughs> instead of like, way past ten, you you yeah. really went for it. Um, but I really, uh, j- again, just from like a tension perspective, I liked how they're all like all the the unsolid are stabbing everybody, and Crassus is yelling, and he's got Dr- uh, Drogon. And then the camera kind of does this leaning, like, turn on her, and the, the music drops, and she goes, mm-hmm. Dracarys. And then it's just, it, again, it's just metal. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. And the <laughs> ending of that episode, like, watching them all march out, and you're seeing, she throws the whip away, and you're seeing the Unsullied's feet, the freedmen stomping on the whip as they, as they like, mm-hmm. march over it. That's a great image. And then the image of all the, the huge army and the dragons. <laughs> Yeah. is is pretty great um but yeah that that whole sequence is like it, daenerys i feel like mm-hmm. kind of like with rob there's a there's a <laughs> there's a way to do this <laughs> um, well, i think one one thing that's especially important you know maybe i'm putting the cart before the horse but you know talking about where all this eventually goes nobody ever challenges her on the fact that she did that right mm so she 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 
takes these extreme measures, like when she locks um, Zoran Zoan Doxos and and her ha- handmaiden, I guess when when uh, she yeah, yeah, locks Jorah. them in the vault, you don't see Jorah going. Could have just killed them. <laughs> so that seems a little harsh that you did that. Like he is like like nobody ever challenges her in terms of like if she exacts great violence. Yeah, which I. I think is once again Tyler it might be something that people are overlooking a bit <laughs> I think I yeah. think Jorah especially is is really fascinating to watch through these because yeah he really does not like he is most of the time he's entirely behind her and then the one time in these set of episodes at one point um he's like questioning her in front of uh Krasnus because he's like don't sell your dragon like that's a terrible idea um and then she tells Barristan and because like both Barristan and Jorah are kind of like no what are you doing um when she tells him afterwards like I, I want your advice, but if you ever question me in front of a, in front of uh, other people again, then uh, you you will never work for me again. Like she's yeah refuses to take any sort of hit to her, I guess demeanor and her like decisions. Um, if you ever question me again, I'll sack the city that you're located <laughs> in. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, and so I think that's that's really interesting. It, it really is like she's does not maybe have the best people around her to tell her how to. Uh, yeah. kind of guide her in the right direction. Um, I do think all of Masande's stuff and all of this is uh, wonderful in terms of her mm-hmm. translating for Krasnids and her having to like uh, clean yeah. up be his a, language, even though Daenerys be a diplomat as well as a translator. Um, that was she's she's great. Yeah, yeah. Our friend speaking from of, uh, Natalie Manuel from uh, Fast and Furious. Yeah, I was going to say. Speaking of uh, of Dom, another Fast and Furious connection there. Yeah, I, I, I not that Vin Diesel is in Game of Thrones, sadly. Yet, um, <laughs> that, I was going to say that you know of. <laughs> Don't he spoil. Cast as the star of uh, whatever the Targaryen. No, he, prequels he's he's doing. the he's the tree with the crying eyes. He's the weird That's one. Him. That's Vin Diesel. That's Vin Diesel's cameo on the show. Uh, always playing trees. <laughs> but there's a yeah. There's um. And I understand, like, a lot of Daenerys' story. It is the story of, like, a woman not listening to men telling her to calm down. Like, that is a very, like, good, powerful thing. And I think the the, the show is trying to do two things. Yeah. Where it's trying to, like, set up her own, the, the madness she inherited from her father. And, mm-hmm. also, and also acknowledging, that, like, hey, her madness might be justified, but it still isn't being checked. And, like, you need to kind of understand, right. like, all of this is understandable but like she, she still needs it needs to be curbed a little bit but at the same time this is a story of empowerment and the story of a woman empowering herself and becoming a hero to herself and others which is all very good largely because all... of uh trauma and awfulness right. imposed on her by terrible men so it's like exactly and so it's this kind of like they're trying to do two things that you can do it's just it's it's a fine line to it, walk yeah, it's, and it's hard to do that. These things that are pretty objectively good and cool—it's just they're extreme. And like you said, yeah. it's, the, it's not that people need to tell her, Daenerys, don't stop these things. It's don't go so far, or like, hey, let's talk about how far you went. <laughs> like, yeah. right. we're not saying they didn't deserve it, but let's talk about how we're going to handle this in the future. <laughs> and that she is clearly just... like, adv- advise me, but don't tell me what to do. We just need some. 
we we think you need some maybe anger therapy, um, <laughs> you know, just something to you know. It's we we, we just care about you, <laughs> like a pottery class, you know, just something. <laughs> Get that headspace app. I did when she started speaking Valyrian. Um, I had this moment of like, oh, Daenerys got muzzy. <laughs> she <laughs> she did it, and then she has the whole thing about like it's my mother tongue, and I was like, okay. But also, couldn't she have gotten fantasy muzzy? <laughs> I think uh, Dothraki may be on Duolingo. I, it maybe maybe it's Valyrian. I want I want to say there is a, ling- a Game of Thrones language on there, which is that fun sounds and right silly. actually. Um, I can learn how to say "my lion ate my bread" because they give you <laughs> such silly sentences. All for the duolinguists out there, Alex. You've been studying what like. Portuguese or something on Duolingo or Yep. We're not What's sponsored that? by Duolingo, but we want to be. Nope, they have a small owl. <laughs> yep. I've I've studied I've studied Portuguese for many an hour. <laughs> Didn't remember any of it. <laughs> hey, speaking of tiny birds that teach us things, Bran is in this a little bit. <laughs> Um, you mentioned Jojen earlier, and I find it—I yeah. found it kind of weird that uh, this is all in, I think, episode two. We have Bran show up in a dream sequence uh, where he sees the Three-Eyed Raven, or the Avatar, I guess, maybe, of the Three-Eyed Raven, whatever he may be, um, in a dream sequence. And then Jojen shows up, and Jojen's like, seek the Three-Eyed Raven, or something like that, probably. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Jojen shows up later in that same episode. I found that a little bit weird. I was like, shouldn't we have had, like, the dream sequence in one episode? And it's like, oh, we're setting something up. What's going on? Sure, and then sure. maybe Jojen shows up in the next episode. Where, so we're kind of like, oh, that was the guy from the dreams. It was weird to me to introduce him in a dream and then, it, in reality, so yeah. close together. Small nitpick. But I thought that was a little strange. Yeah, they... Uh, Bran does so little. I mean, there's so little with them <laughs> in these... The stretch of episodes, these five. Yes. Which, admittedly, like, huge things are being done elsewhere. But, uh... Yeah, there really wasn't a whole lot. We just know that, like, I guess we gotta still heading towards the wall, and maybe we'll see a bird. <laughs> yep. No, I, I think it would have been really funny if during all the wildling stuff at the big wildling camp, you just heard in the background, "Hey, where's Osha? <laughs> what happened to her?" Um, but she's a deserter. So Theon's having a, a oh, rough yeah. go of it. Yeah. Which, again, I talked about this a little bit last episode. I really thought there was more mystery to who is torturing Theon, but, like, they're basically... They, they keep repeating the fact that, like, oh, yeah, uh, Bruce Bolton's men came in and took Winterfell. Like, they, yeah. we talk about this with the Rob stuff. And so, like, we should know who this is. I mean, we don't know exactly that it's it's Bruce's son, but... In terms of where he is and everything, which is a mystery that will continue to get played up, we we know. We should know by now. Yeah. But I, I remember being, like, very clearly, like, not making that connection when I was watching the show the first time before I'd read the books. Until, oh, yeah, I, I, had, I had no clue. I, I remember being very confused. It just, it goes to demonstrate how much con or not content, how much information is being put in front of you. And you just, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't inhale all of it. You can't absorb everything that's happening it's just kind of like ah that's okay i recognize that guy what's his name okay i don't like yeah. there's there's well, too like much when, going on when ramsey quote-unquote saves theon from his own men 
before he kills the last one, the guy's like, you bastard, which is, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. there it is. Um, yeah, and, and uh, there's, a, there's huge changes, like the way the whole Ramsey's entrance into things is very different in the books and the show, right. and they actually, that ends in the books, I don't know, it's so sooner, like, it's all just weird. Um, I want to say Theon disappears in the second book and then doesn't show up until book four. Like, I think he skips all, I think all of this is supposed to have happened it like during the events of book three, which is season three and four, but it's, it's told to you later. Like it's explained to you later what exactly happened. You kind of pick it up from Theon's whatever he is now. Um, Right. And so that's that's interesting. And I think that's a good decision to kind of seat him in now. So it's like, oh, we're not forgetting about him. And, and he continues to be yeah. a main character. Uh, and so we can we can follow along with that a little more. And I like his, his monologue where he's really realizing, like, when he says the thing about my real father died at King's Landing, like, B- Balin Greyjoy never cared about me. Like, Ned mm-hmm. was really, I did all of this wrong. I should have stay loyal to rob you know all of this stuff is it's a really good it's a really good scene like alfie allen's really good on this show yes and it's great because uh, he's saying all of this this heartbreaking uh regret to ramsey who does not care in the slightest yeah <laughs> and it's probably just like oh i can use that <laughs> yeah i the, the way they torture him got it got under my skin sure uh just the first scene where they're just taking like a little screw or whatever, oh, and they're just mm-hmm. putting it into his pinky. Yeah. I'm like, that is so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like it. I am uncomfortable. Like, and they're like, put a giant screw through his foot. It's just, mm-hmm. ugh. Yeah. No, it's awful. Um. Yeah. And I know it. It does get worse, but <laughs> sure. Uh. I don't think there's any other major things I wanted to talk about. Um, I like uh, we get some good duels. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get Jamie versus Brienne, yeah, and great. we get uh, like I mentioned, the Hound versus Beric Dondarrion. Uh, these are some of the first ones where the show. I mean, really, since like season one when we had Jamie and Ned briefly fight, um, and then we also had Braun and Vardis, that mm-hmm. uh, memorable character. Uh, <laughs> Get into battle. That was really more about just showing who Braun was, um, and so it's neat to have. Now we're kind of like, okay, we've got some great fighters interspersed throughout our different characters. Let's let's show them off. Let's start having some some nice one on ones so we can uh, see who's stronger and, and get establish some power levels, as it were. Um, it's it's neat. I I really enjoy duels on this show. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we will have some more intense and wonderful ones to come. Uh, But these are quite good, I found. Um, As opposed to, like, I complained about a couple episodes ago when Brienne and Loras fight, and you really don't even realize that it's Brienne and Loras until, like, after they've fought, and you also just don't know the characters well enough to know that, like, oh, that was supposed to be way more cool than it was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I agree. Like the action has definitely stepped up um in this. I also uh we're talking about edits and changes I made to the show. One of I think the m- m- most sensible decisions they make is that in the books the character 
the leader of the Brave Companions who who takes Jamie's hand is a character named Vargo Hote. And he right. is Yeah, and he is described as this like slobbering like man with a big lisp and a uh, uh like a bleeding bleating kind of laugh, so they all call him the goat. And he's just this like cartoonish character that I yeah. think D and D were like, we don't know how to tonally <laughs> fit that <laughs> into the show. Um, cause there, there is a lot of like toning down. There's a lot of talk of uh, later, a character called Dario is supposed to have like all this blue and red in his hair, like, like a rainbow beard. Yeah. Like all the, like the bravosi are all supposed to have these like very colorful dyes and they don't really do that. Um, but this is a whole other level of silliness that is one thing when you're reading it, but I don't think that watching <laughs> it would have really, I don't think it would have worked. Yeah. Um, and I really liked talking of the the stuff with the hound, where I don't know they're all everyone's arguing about like the hound is he guilty and Arya is saying all the stuff that he did. And I think the hound says something about like oh is she the most courageous person here or something? And Barrett goes, she may well be, because he's just like so cool. <laughs> he's like Arya <laughs> might be the bravest person in this room, but you'll fight me. <laughs> it's just like he's so he's such a boss. I love him. Mm-hmm. Was cool eye patch. I really like that. Again, we, we talked about this last episode. Arya continues to get put in these situations where she is questioning and grappling with death and, and trying yeah. to bargain with death. Um, because, like in this one, we we have her talking to Thoris and Beric, and she's like, "Could you bring back a man without a head?" And they're like, "And they yeah. know she's talking about her father." And they're like, eh, "I don't think we could." And, and she's yeah. she's like, "Yeah, I don't want you to bring it back six times, just just once." And yeah. She's constantly interacting with all these different like magic systems and fighting systems that are oriented around death and mm-hmm. her trying to confront that. Um, it's a neat. It's a theme. There's also a great bit where after uh, the Hound kills Beric, uh, and they're, she tries to kill the Hound, and then they, they stop her and start dragging her away. And she she screams "Burn in hell!" at the hound, and it's it's almost like the exact same energy as the meme of the the woman screaming at the cat who's sitting at the table. <laughs> if you have, if you know what I'm yes. talking about, when she's true. screaming and pointing at the cat, the cat just like. Mm. And he's like, "There's seven hells, um, <laughs> seven a repeated number in Game of Thrones. There are seven kingdoms, seven new gods, uh, seven hells, five books, oh, five books." <laughs> And Septa and Sept mm-hmm. are both like seven. Seven pointed star. Thank you. Seven Harry Potter books. Yep, <laughs> which inspired the Game of Thrones series. <laughs> which is a. Uh, <laughs> never mind. It's all based on Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even going to go there. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm hearing we've been canceled. The internet has stormed us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, random other thing because I, I feel like we've covered a lot of the big stuff um, they keep pointedly showing Tywin stamping letters um, mm-hmm. which I which feels very ominous and is like what if it, what's in those letters Tywin Tywin what's yeah. in the letters oh that's true uh, I like that um, I like Jon John Snow when I talk about his confrontation with Mance Raider uh, at the beginning I really like that the way he 
kind of convinces Vance that he does actually want to join the um, not, the Night's Watch, the Wildlings, is that um, he's basically... He, at first, he's like, oh, I want to um, be a hero and fight. And Mance is like, what are you... No, that's not... What, what are you yeah. actually here for? And John, like, discovers as he's talking and trying to come up with a real motivation, is talking about the fact that he doesn't think the Night's Watch is doing enough about the White Walkers and about the Wildlings. Or not the White Walkers. Yeah. The White Walkers and the Whites. Um, yeah. And actually works that into something where it's like, oh, he, he probably does feel that way a little bit. Like, he's probably a little yeah. frustrated with Dior and uh, some of the ways they've they've approached things. Um, so it's like, obviously, as as we'll continue to see, he, he still cares about the Night's Watch and uh, had, basically it's introducing the fact that he does have some conflict over this and, and mm-hmm. between the Wildlings and the Night's Watch. It's not entirely a ruse. I agree. <laughs> and I think that now we're really starting to see Roos Bolton start to turn. Like, we're starting to see... Yeah. And I don't know how far back that really started for him, but, like, we're starting to see that. Like, yeah. oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> this guy's a little ominous. There's some dubiousness to this guy. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of perfect timing that, that uh, Jamie kind of shows up in his neck of the woods right when Rob is... Mm-hmm. You know, really screwing up, and everybody is starting to question whether or not he can still lead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's an opportune moment. Uh, this is also the we, we get right after the final episode written by Vanessa Taylor. We get an episode that's all about Podrick's sexual prowess. <laughs> <laughs> How could we forget? Which is here's here's okay. I'm gonna be a snob. I feel like, <laughs> comedically, that conversation with Braun and Tyrion, it's so long for what that joke is. Sure. That they're like, why are you giving us the money? They didn't want it. B- but they always want money. Not this time. Why would they not want money? They said they didn't need it. Now, what could they have... That goes on for so long. <laughs> and I was just like, this is a quick joke, and it's a good joke, but we ju- it's so long. And then in the next episode, Varys and Roz are talking, and then they talk about it. And it got to the point where I was like... If the show did it every episode, I'd be like, okay, this is ridiculous and fun. But I got to the point where it stopped feeling like just like a bro-y joke and became like, is this a compensation thing <laughs> is this like it just felt a little bit like yeah well sometimes nerds are great at it <laughs> like really <laughs> driving home that point and it was just like guys come on this is a little it's a good joke but come on y'all my only counter would be that every like questioning line from Tyrion is gold <laughs> it's oh it's good like... Like, it's all it's all well played certainly it just like it took so long i was like what is are thor and star lord gonna argue for five <laughs> minutes in a funny way next <laughs> there there is a bit in that that it, this is i mentioned marine earlier and i want to come back to this um they uh when they're showing podrick and they're like ah we bought you these prostitutes and you know have fun. Um, Tyrion introduces one of them as being the the only girl in Westeros who can do the Miranese knot. Um, The Miranese knot is a term... I don't know if it came from George R. R. Martin. I feel like it 
did, where basically he's talking about how hard it it was or still is. I don't think in the books it's happened yet to get Daenerys out of Marine, like to mm. write Marine. Like he's basically talking about the fact that like that was a very oh. complicated story thing that he where he wanted to pull off some stuff, but he could not. And I think it's still working on how to actually like break that and and figure out what to do with Daenerys now that she's stuck in Marine at that point in the books. Um, and that's the Miranese knot is like a, a reference. I, I don't know. Again, I don't know if he came up with that or if that was like a f- internet forum thing, but yeah, that is like yeah. a thing that was used to refer to how him having that problem and, and part of why like the books were taking so long and continue to take so long. Um, Interesting. And so okay. that's like a, a fun little reference joke. Kind of like that. The, that's yeah. Like the that. Tyrion nose thing. Um, I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> no. Yeah. That, that is good. I thought it was like the Gordian knot and that if, if, only Podrick can can un- undo this Miranese knot, and then that's how he'll know that he's the true conqueror of Westeros or something. I I think that the Gordian knot is like part of where that joke sure. term reference thing was inspired from. So I th- yeah, I think that might be where it came from. Yeah. Well, any other big stuff, Alex? You got anything else? No, not really. I think we we covered all all, all the major things. Um, just just like a really 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 strong set of episodes yeah um completely and i think we're gonna get a big one next week gang (laughs) 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 fire sword yeah (laughs) double checking make sure there there is i i do want to just pay a quick note to the conversation Stannis has with Shireen where you're kind of like, oh, the Stannis, maybe maybe he has a bit of a heart. Maybe he's kind of, you know, maybe maybe he's a little, yeah. there's a little sweetness in there. Um, and then Shireen's like, I'd, I'd like to see Davos because he's my friend. Uh, and Stannis is like, well, Davos is a traitor and you can't see him. Um, and then he's, it, it's not like a, Oh, he's trying to like have a bedside manner, be like, "Well, you know, he's he's done some bad things, and and you can't see him right now because of this, and maybe in the future." Like, there's no yeah. couching it. He's just like, "You should probably forget about him," <laughs> and he leaves. <laughs> he's a traitor. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, he's he's still Stannis. And it's weird to be friends with a grown up when you're a child. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, Marty McFly? I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. I'd watch that movie trilogy so the the entire sequence where he goes and visits his wife before that is just yes bizarre yeah it's a cult tyler called it well, it's a cult because he because he's just like I, I i was unfaithful to you I, I i slept with melisandre this isn't cool like i feel terrible and she's like i wept with joy when she told me and i'm like <laughs> okay really i'm out son. look at my jar babies <laughs> have you ever seen the walking dead this is like that but with baby <laughs> chilling um, i have a i have a, a big thing and a couple more small things to talk about two two are lines that i thought were quite funny that i wanted to appreciate um in episode three again which episode three probably does go a little hard on the uh, the humor, I think overall, sure. I think that is a little bit. Uh, I there is a lot considering where this season goes. I appreciate sure. it. Sure, yeah. There is 
I think a lot more sort of slapstick than people want to acknowledge in the first few seasons. Um, mm. Like the uh, the thing about, I, I mentioned in Blackwater last episode, where uh, you've got Tyrion being like, uh, Hound, tell uh, yeah. Lancel <laughs> to tell Joffrey to, like, that you've got that kind of humor is constantly there. I, th- I think... I feel like people continue, like, throughout the entire show, people have problems with those jokes. And it's like... But basically, they kind of recontextualize towards the end. And by people, I mean the internet, I guess. Um, start to recontextualize it as, oh, they, you know, they, they, they're they relying too much on that Marvel humor or whatever. But it's like, no, I think it's <laughs> it's always kind of been there. The show's always had this sort yeah. of weird tongue-in-cheek, like, willingness to do some dumb humor <laughs> type thing. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's a nice break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, we need it. Um, but in, in episode three, when uh, Rob is chewing out Edmure because Edmure uh, basically moved too quickly on the mountain and scared the mountain mm. off instead of letting them capture the mountain. Um, and Edmure's like, well, we captured the two Lannisters, Rob, Rob says. You captured a... Uh, a, a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old, and then the blackfish chimes in, and he's like, I believe Martin is 15. <laughs> that's, that's a good <laughs> little uh, cheeky thing. Um, also, there's a line that made me laugh probably a lot more than it should when Bronn walk, walks up to uh, a couple of Cersei's Kingsguard, I guess it's still Kingsguard, yeah. in uh, the first episode, and he's like, Ah yes, Sir Taryn Mant and Sir Who's It of Who Cares, and that's yeah. specifically <laughs> Sir Taryn Mant is instead of Marin Trant <laughs> is hilarious to me. Um, but on a on a more broad analytical level, I feel like the biggest change in tone and, and pacing in these episodes is that we finally got to the point where the show is a introduce so many characters and B stops trying to hold your hand with introducing so many new characters um, that we really start to get like subplots within character subplots. Uh, We, we get like full, you know, three episode arcs or three episode mini stories within each individual character, as opposed to telling, you know, for example, telling, all of Daenerys' story in Karth over the course of the entire season two. And, um, and talking about, uh, like, John's entire, like, journey from the Wall to mm. ultimately the Wildlings, the Wildling camp over the entire course of season two. Whereas now we're like, okay, we're, we're wrapping, wrapping these up a lot more quickly. We're, we're getting yeah. through stuff. Um, the, you know, Daenerys is, is done with Astapor now. Uh, it's been five episodes and she's out. Um, yeah. I just feel like we're getting to where the show feels more comfortable and confident in its pacing and how quickly it works through stuff. And I mean, the, the number of like different configurations of, uh, political agreements and who's going to marry who that happens over the course of these episodes in King's Landing is so much quicker and more like all over the place. There's so many more alliances being, opened and shut uh than yeah. there were previously there there's just and part of that's i think just because they have so many characters that they can kind of they have more momentum to the stories uh i talked about or we've we've discussed a few times how daenerys does not really have many people for us to care about or get invested in in uh the first two seasons like essos is yeah. just kind of like it's daenerys and jorah and a couple people who die 
Um, <laughs> and now we're like, okay, we've got Barris and Selma. You, you remember Barris and Selma? You had that cool scene. Cool. Mm-hmm. You, you guys, you guys have that link. Uh, we're introducing Masande. We're introducing Grey Worm. These are characters you're going to come to like. And so they they start to assemble the Nerys' cabinet a little bit, and uh, allow us to have more interest where it's like, oh, you may not care that much about Jorah, but do you care about Masande? And so when when those scenes come up, you can start to get more invested in them and have a little more interest in every different uh, plot point that's going along. Except for Brands. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. And like, I, I think Daenerys' story is just exponentially more interesting now. Mm-hmm. Um, the bigger the dragons get, the more exciting the story gets. In a way. Uh, also, I just saw that Clive Russell, who plays Blackfish, was apparently Tyr in Thor the Dark World. <laughs> I don't remember Tyr being in that movie, but apparently that happened. I buy it. I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm just sure. <laughs> uh, yep. All right. Uh, Britton, you got a recommendation this week? Yeah. Um. Let's see. I haven't watched anything in the past week that really like leapt out at me. But a couple weeks ago, I rewatched a movie from my childhood and my whole life. Really, um, I rewatched *Labyrinth* by Jim Henson. And ah. I don't know if it's on any of the major streaming services, but it's totally worth uh, seeking out. Um, and it kind of blew me away. Like I've watched it, I don't know how many times, but it's been a while. And this time, just the sheer filmmaking of it really knocked me over. Like, obviously, the puppetry is extraordinary. Like, I think it's one Mm -hmm. of the best, like, exhibitions of what puppetry can be that I've ever seen. Hmm. It's so impressive. All the practical effects are just amazing. And, I mean, the the main character, Jennifer Connelly, falls down a a shaft and is rescued by a wall of hands that form different faces just by like arranging themselves in different ways it's haunting and beautiful and so impressive and there are some george lucas produced it and lent his visual effect resources and so the visual effects hold up really well Hmm. there's one cgi owl in the opening that doesn't look great but it's against a black screen so like it's not a big deal but really, like, it, it, visually it holds up so perfectly. And David Bowie's in it, and he's fantastic. And the music is wonderful. Um, and just like in all the Muppet movies, there are random chickens just there. And I sure. loved that bit of Henson continuity. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it just it, if you've seen it before and just enjoyed it as, like, a, just like a great movie, um, watch it again just from, like, a filmmaking perspective. Like, the editing is really crisp, and I love Love, love, love all the practical stuff. So, Labyrinth. Sure. Yeah. Did you guys see anything cool since we last we recorded? I I finally got around to Jojo Rabbit. Hey. Oh, really? What'd you think? It was perfectly fine. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed, which I have a feeling that... I'm not the biggest fan of Taika Waititi's overall style for making movies, but I love when he plays a character in a movie. <laughs> so he, he's, take that he's as my, well. He, so did you enjoy him as, as Adolf? Yes, quite a yeah. bit. I was kind of annoyed that he wasn't actually in it more. Sure. He's, um, he's brilliant in that movie. Yeah, I, I, 
I don't know. It's it's complicated because I don't want to say it wasn't funny enough given the subject matter, but I I was <laughs> expecting it to be a bit goofier than it ended up being. Um, but then all of the more dramatic elements, they weren't bad by any means, and the movies the movies good. Um, but all the dramatic stuff and where the plot ultimately goes, I was like, yeah, I get it. Like like ten minutes in, I was like, okay, I roughly know how this is going to end. Like. Which which is fine, but but like in terms of like being a prestige or like award season mm. type film, it just I don't know. It it wasn't quite hitting me the way that I wanted it to. But it that, was fine. That's one that I want to revisit because I think I had a similar. I mean, I liked it. I think a little bit more when I first saw it, but I think it was. This has been hyped so much to me that I'm like waiting to get blown away. And then I think I was in my head, my own head so much that like, okay, well, if I watch it a second time, already kind of having an understanding of what it is, how will I, how will I react to it? I think that kid is fantastic who plays Jojo. Yeah. I mean, everyone's, everyone's wonderful in it. I mean, Sam Rockwell. Like, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Alfie Allen is in there. Yes. Yay. He's very fun. Um, Rebel Wilson gets, mm-hmm. gets some really, really fun moments. There's a particular moment at the end where she just has like this, this light machine gun and she just goes <laughs> charging out into battle. I'm like, what is <laughs> happening? Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. N- not just the, um, the main kid, but also his, his oh, friend. He's so, yeah, he's so good. I was uh, about halfway through the movie. I was, I was thinking to myself, I kind of wish we were following that character <laughs> instead. <laughs> it's a tough time to be a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, it it hit me similar in, in terms of like trying to watch a lot of the award season type films after we had done our our um, twenty nineteen in review episode. Like I got around to Ford v Ferrari, <laughs> and I got kind of the same vibe in terms of mm-hmm. it's been hyped up way too much, and I'm like, this is a perfect Sunday dad movie. <laughs> like it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's true of like, Ferrari. Yes, I, well, I haven't like, seen I it. Could, I, see, I can see how that. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying Jojo Rabbit is that by any means. <laughs> oh, okay. But, okay. Point is, there, there are always just just some movies during award season where it's just like I don't know if it's the talent involved or or sure. the subject matter, but it's always just like we've got we've got our typical biopic, and I'm like, yeah, it's the typical biopic. I get it. Or or it's like it's the quirky comedy that's that's taken on real issues as well and i'm like yeah i, I get it like i, I don't know it it, it was good I, I i mean if i'm giving it a grade i'd probably a b minus on a first viewing so yeah uh have you tried watching it immediately following uncut gyms um while you're <laughs> oh yeah that is what you did while you're alone in the theater um because i did a double header uh, uh alone watching <laughs> uncut gems and jojo rabbit back to back and uh I, you know i i'm very glad that i watched jojo rabbit second i was gonna say and like the ordering I, in that is very i important. think the the yeah. waiting the waiting really swung jojo rabbit up for me <laughs> i was like oh this is lovely this is just so nice yeah, I, I think the only two major awards movies from 2019 that I'm missing are Little Women and 1917. I think for the most part I've covered everything else. Uh, 1917, talking of Richard Madden stealing the show. Yeah. He's so good in that. So good. And uh, Tommen again. Yeah. Yep. Dean, Dean, Dean Charles Chapman. 
And other uh, British actors that you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, you see anything cool? Or read anything cool? Nah. nah. Yeah, I'm, you know. I'm, I'm working on too many books right now. Um, yeah. And that's about, that's about it. Uh, I've probably been playing some games. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we Maybe, did. Uh, you know, I, I did watch cool. a, a West Side Story. Um, oh, did you this, this past weekend? And that was what you uh, think? a good movie. Yeah, um, and it did kind of bring me to the like thought of wh- why is Steven Spielberg remaking this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I had watched it a, a few weeks ago with with a friend of the podcast, Cecilia, and we had the exact same thought. <laughs> like, there's no. It is. Yeah, you did it. You did it perfect, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it'll be neat to watch a remake, but like... It, it really feels like if, you know, they were to say they were going to try and remake one of the great classics, like like Citizen Kane, we're going to try and remake that, or, yeah. or like 2001 A Space Odyssey, we're going to remake that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. but... Hold up. To what end? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I'm enthusiastic about the remake mostly because I'm interested to see Spielberg do something that he's not Mm -hmm. done before because I feel like in the last two years we've seen him do to varying degrees of effectiveness like yeah I know you can do that Spielberg I know you like even Lincoln which I love is like I wasn't surprised that he did that and did it well yeah right but Wes like I don't think he's ever done a musical before so I'm like genuinely interested to see what a Spielberg musical looks like However, that's, like, one of the classic movie musicals for a reason. Like, it's so beautifully made. It's so gorgeously shot. Like, you did it, and you fixed things that I don't like about the stage <laughs> musical and that Bernardo gets to actually sing. Like you, like, you did it. We got it. We got our West Side Story movie that holds up so well. Yes. You don't need to. Yeah. I don't know. I want Spielberg to make a musical, but maybe there's another op- op- opportunity out there. He can make... Opportunity. Yeah, exactly. He'll, he can make Lab OM or something. The, the Ring. <laughs> the Ring Cycle. <laughs> uh, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sp- Sp- I mean, Spielberg I'm... will do that great. He'll make the movie of Great Comet. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here for uh, getting lots of, of fun musical adaptations, because we've got that and we've got in the Heights, and obviously yeah. Hamilton did, mm-hmm. which is not a movie, but portrayed. It's a, yeah, or, but it's a it's a movie, a musical you can watch on screen. Yes, uh, and so I'm I'm here for that if this if it's part of a trend, um, but we will see. Yeah, I agree. You know, I gotta rewatch. It. It's been a while since I rewatched that one. You know where we we and by we I mean you, the listener, can see our our podcast uh, is. Um, here come the sequels.blogspot.com and uh, iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud. You can tweet at us at HCT sequels. Um, and then you can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com. Y'all ever think about why Michael Bay hasn't directed a musical? No. Alex, you cannot drop this on us at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot just hand me that. <laughs> Just pitch me that grounder for some for some comedy. 
But well, Britton, it, so- it sounds like you almost have something to say. Join <laughs> us I next week for exactly, uh, for the continuing a breakdown <laughs> of which musical Michael Bay should do, or should it be an original? Uh, <laughs> I have so much to think about now. Well, I'll be looking at my cast albums, and until next week, be nice to Sansa. I've been Britton. <laughs> I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. <laughs> and you're having a Michael Bay musical night.